This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-errands pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking we're talking about non-alcoholic beverage concoctions. Yes. There's no good name for them. There is not. Um most commonly on menus called the mocktail. Mm-hmm. Um, they go by a lot of a lot of other names, which we're going to talk about. Oh, my goodness, uh, yes. Lauren and I love talking about <laughs> all the weird names for things. Um, but we probably will be using mocktail uh, throughout most of this. Yes. Yeah, it's the easiest. Yeah. Uh, but, listeners, if any of you have a good idea for what it should be called, please. Yeah. There is a space that needs to be filled here. <laughs> <laughs> we also have a guest in this episode. Oh, yes. Uh, Julia Bainbridge came and spoke with us. She did. And you might know her as the host of the Lonely Hour podcast or through her work in the food industry. She's done a lot of writing. And she is currently um, working on a book about the mocktail. Um, Which we are very much looking forward to. Yes. And we're going to let her talk more about all the stuff that she has done at the end of this here podcast episode. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. In an interview later. But but first, mocktails. What is it? <laughs> I, for some reason, I think of like a, a parakeet <laughs> and like the tail on the back like flaring out. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> One cockatoo, two cockafour. I don't know. There's a song in there that has a mocktail in it. Ooh. It's a Mary-Kate Ashley song because that's all I know. <laughs> 
<laughs> Apparently, my brain is just Mary Kate Nashley songs and donuts. I love the sheer number of times that Mary Kate Nashley has come <laughs> up in this podcast. I know. I'm growing increasingly embarrassed by it, but at the same time, I'm going to double down. No, own it, dude. Own it. I absolutely will own it. <laughs> not okay. So it is not a parakeet's tail. Oh. Um, <laughs> it is a uh, oh a virgin cocktail. I forgot about that. Sure, uh, a non-alcoholic cocktail or virgin cocktail. Um, it's a mixed beverage of the non-alcoholic variety. Zero point zero percent ABV. Uh, stands for alcohol by volume. Yes. yes. Or hypothetically. Some, hypothetically. Some some non-alcoholic cocktails are technically low-alcoholic cocktails with less than 0.5% yes. alcohol content. Mm-hmm. Um, and apart from being something pregnant women can enjoy or for people who have struggled with alcohol before, the designated driver, maybe a medication that's incompatible with alcohol, maybe you've got an allergy, um, or for people at business meetings looking to have one alcoholic drink, but not get wasted after that. Um, some countries or for some religions, alcohol of any kind is prohibited. It's for a lot more people than you might think at first. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, and children. Children too. Yes. <laughs> I can tell you um, a lot of friends of mine would have loved something other than a Shirley Temple to order at restaurants as children. Absolutely. I think by the time I was 13 and really hitting the uh, bar and bat mitzvah circuit, like I was, ah. the Shirley Temples were already too sweet for me. Uh-huh. But you wanted the experience. You were like, I'm so grown up. I am 13. Look at this dress that I am wearing. I had my hair done today. I need to carry around a glass like Lauren Bacall. Because <laughs> that's what adulthood is. Yeah, carrying around glasses. With the... Some with a, clothes with a fancy that are, dress <laughs> and hair that is done <laughs> and not matted and dirty. <laughs> I never, I never ordered a Shirley Temple. Oh no, no. I, I just wasn't. I'm not. I wasn't into sweet things then. I'm not into sweet things too much now. Of the drink variety, give me uh, the aforementioned donut any day. But mm-hmm. uh, my friends were so excited every time they saw them on a menu, and I think to this day they would be honestly. Oh, yeah. still enjoy them. I Oh, I haven't had one in a very, very long time. Okay, homework. (laughs) Uh, If you think of a traditional beverage menu, traditionally it's been cocktails, liquor, beer, wine, and then a smushed list of soda offerings. Oh, sure, yeah. Like like we have Coca-Cola products or we have Pepsi products and that's it. Right. That's all it says. Exactly. And as far as um, craft cocktails have increased in popularity among bartenders and consumers— so, too, has the mocktail, the craft mocktail, perhaps. Uh-huh. Because uh, bartenders have all these syrups and tinctures and fizzy drinks at their disposal for cocktails. So it just makes sense to have offerings for those looking for a well-balanced drink minus the alcohol. And, you know, just something kind of nicer than your Coca-Cola. A little more exciting, perhaps. Absolutely. If you're looking to celebrate, too. Sure. Yeah. Just makes sense to me. Um, oh, and there's even the rise of sober happy hours. Huh. Yeah. Um, I was reading about them. They seem they seem pretty fun to me. And I had that thought the other day when we were at a work happy hour and just how difficult it might be if you don't enjoy alcohol. And so many of these events are all... Are so based around alcohol. Absolutely. Yeah. So it'd be great to have more of these offerings. An option. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's also, along those lines, lots of low or no alcohol beers or malt beverages, plus similar low alcohol wines and even de-spirited spirits uh, <laughs> on the market, which is sort of a side quest to our topic today. But I did want to mention it, especially as these products might be useful as part of a mocktail maker's uh, back bar. Yes. 
Um, and even though several mocktails are based on the alcoholic version, simply omitting the alcohol from a recipe is generally a bad practice. Oh, yeah. 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 Because you need to consider the ratio. Um, what do you replace the alcohol with? It's a strong flavor. You're going to want something there. Um, sparkling water is an easy enough substitute for vodka. That's a good starting place. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I do, I have to say, I like the name play of mocktails, the nojito, <laughs> cuddles on a beach. The light and drizzly. <laughs> yeah. Dark and stormy, light and drizzly. Yeah, I love it. Um, there there are lots of other ways to make a non-alcoholic cocktail replicate the flavor experience of an alcoholic one, though. Like, just just think about what's happening in your mouth when you sip an alcoholic beverage. Or if you haven't had one, come along with me on this journey. Yeah. Um, the alcohol is going to set off a particular taste receptor that reports both physical heat um, and also chemical spice. That's the burning sensation of booze. But it also happens with stuff like capsaicin or ginger or peppercorns. Uh, there's also an astringent or, or drying sensation, the same way that lemons and lots of berries, vinegars, and other tart acidic foods have. And there might be uh, some tannins in there in, in the case of like wine or stuff like that. Uh, which create an extra layer of astringency, as do teas and coffee. Mm-hmm. If the product was aged in wood barrels, uh, either charred or plain, it might have picked up some particular flavor compounds from that, like a vanilla or smoke or kind of a cherry almond sort of thing. It might contain carbon dioxide bubbles, as soda water and other soft drinks indeed do. It could have a uh, smooth or creamy kind of mouthfeel, either from the ingredients themselves or from the bacteria or yeasts that went into the fermentation process. And stuff like kombucha can contain similar bacteria, yeast, poop products, or um, adding an egg or just the yolk or the white to a shaking cocktail can give you some of that silk. There might be some bitterness, similarly, which you can get from herbs like rosemary, sage, or thyme, or from the oils and citrus peels, or from spices like cardamom, and sweetness from any remaining sugars post-fermentation. And y'all know that there are no end of sweet juices and sugary concoctions on the market. No end. And those are just like some starter parallels. There are tons and tons of foods and products out there that, that replicate these flavor sensations. Yep. And they're ready for the replication. Yes. Yes. So that's our basic overview of the, the virgin cocktail, the mocktail. Um, but we do have a little bit of history, especially famous mocktails out there for you. Uh-huh. Yes. But first, we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. 
Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. The ancestor of the cocktail is something we've talked about before. The soda shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you want more info on that, we've had, we have a whole episode for you. We do. Yeah. And another thing that we'll have to do a whole episode on, maybe, probably, is those low to no alcohol beverages. And these have roots in the small beers of Europe going way, way, way back. But production began in earnest in the United States during Prohibition. Um, the law prevented sales of beverages above that 0.5% alcohol by volume level. So a number of breweries converted to creating this stuff rather than shut down entirely. Uh but it wasn't great. Uh, generally, this was just like light beer with the ethanol heated out of the fermented malt, which really flattens the flavor. Yeah. The heating process is not good for all of those delicate aroma compounds. <laughs> They're so delicate. Mm-hmm. The believed to be first mocktail is one that we just mentioned, and you've probably heard of before that, <laughs> uh, the Shirley Temple. Mm-hmm. If you've never had one, it's most commonly a mixture of ginger ale, grenadine, a cherry, Uh, And maybe some lemon as garnish. And I've never had one. I just could tell I wouldn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, it was named after child actress Shirley Temple. Mm -hmm. As per usual, multiple restaurants and hotels, bartenders claim to have have invented this one for Temple when she visited with her parents. Ah. Temple herself, who became Temple Black, once asserted the drink was created at the Brown Derby restaurant of Hollywood in the 1930s and that she was not involved. <laughs> we just talked about this restaurant, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. It looks like a derby hat. It looks like a derby hat. It look, looks like a big big brown derby hat, yeah. I got we a need, good chuckle out of that picture. We need to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we do. Field trips. Field trips all around. The Royal Hawaiian Resort in Waikiki lays claim to it as well, purportedly naming it in honor of their frequent famous guest. Another restaurant... Chasen in Beverly Hills says they were the first ones to whip this up for Temple's 10th birthday. (laughs) Temple allegedly went to court twice to prevent soda companies from bottling a Shirley Temple. Um, And she was not a big cocktail, mocktail for children fan. She was afraid it was going to inspire. Lead to. Yeah. What's that called? 
a g- gateway. A gateway. A ga- gateway mocktail. <laughs> a gateway mocktail. A few other ce- celebrities have mocktails named after them. You've got the Roy Rogers, mm-hmm. named for the famous teetotaler, actor, singer. It's a concoction of cola, grenadine, and cherries. And since it is similar to the Shirley Temple, it's sometimes called the Shirley Temple Black, her married name. Uh, the origin is unknown, and it's often called the boy's version of the Shirley Temple. Oh, yeah, because cola is so manly. And it's not it's red. Very, it's very gendered. I Okay, sure, whatever. Always. <laughs> um, there's the Arnold Palmer, which is a half-and-half half mixture of lemonade and iced tea. The golfer claimed to make this drink at home for himself, but sometime in the 1960s, someone overheard him ordering at a bar this drink, uh, a, bar, a bar in Paul Springs. And the person asked the bartender for that Palma drink, and old <laughs> Arnie saw the chance to make some cash, and he allowed the Arizona Beverage Company to use his name to make a bottled version. Huh. Huh. Yeah. Mocktails surged in popularity in the 1980s with all of those sugary premixes we've talked about with cocktails. Absolutely. By the turn of the 21st century, total consumption of alcohol worldwide was falling. And in 2012, 2.2 billion liters of non-alcoholic beer were sold. Uh, That's 580 million gallons, which was up 80% from just five years previous in 2007. Uh, Part of this rise in non-alcoholic malt beverage sales is that the technology and process for creating them has improved. Uh, Brewers are working with yeasts that are slower to convert sugar to alcohol but that still impart other flavors to the product. And vacuum processing can pull the ethanol out of fermented products at much lower temperatures, preventing damage of those flavor molecules. And reverse osmosis can do it at even lower temperatures still. Oh, reverse osmosis. (laughs) And these days, with the rise in handmade cocktails and the focus on like health and mindfulness that some people that are doing. Those ridiculous oh, things. No. <laughs> there are all kinds of guides and tricks and products out there to make tasty non-alcoholic cocktails. And, okay, to talk about all that, um, we're going to have our, our guest, Julia Bainbridge, in just a moment. But first, one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. 
for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And now, oh, can can we do can we do a guest segment transition? I believe we can. I think we have the technology. Oh heck. And we are here with Julia Bainbridge. Thank you so much for being with us, Julia. Thank you for having me. Yes. And uh can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. I am an editor and a writer, mostly about food, but about some other stuff too, like Feelings <laughs> and whatnot. Um, what, are, what are feelings? <laughs> Food does give me feelings. It, yeah, so that's true. <laughs> yeah, but I'm the host, creator, and producer of a podcast called The Lonely Hour, um, which is an exploration of loneliness and solitude. But it's not a bummer. <laughs> Um, at least that is my cocktail party line. Uh, but back to the food stuff. I've been an editor at Bon Appetit and most recently Atlanta Magazine. Um, and I've written some stuff for The Washington Post and Condé Nast Traveler and Silver and stuff like that. Um, and I'm about to start research on a book all about non-alcoholic cocktails and other non-alcoholic drinks. A whole book? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so, well, there is enough to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's really exciting for, for a number of reasons. What's the mocktail landscape like these days? Yeah, it's still a pretty nascent category, but there's definitely movement there. Um, more and more bartenders are carving out space for non-alcoholic drinks on their beverage menus. And there are more products on the market, too. So Seedlip, I don't know if you've heard of this. No. Um, Seedlip is the f- world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Um, It was launched by this guy, Ben. um, I think his last name is Branson, a British guy. Um, And there's Sound, which is a brand making sparkling teas. um, And some new product called Kin Tonic that's made with botanical extracts and is being marketed as an alcohol alternative. Um, I'm trying to get my hands on a bottle of that. I haven't yet. But um, it's just we see this happening. It's definitely growing. Um, And I think we're only going to see this category continue to grow and strengthen there's the rate of decline in global alcohol consumption is accelerating. Oh, really? Um, yeah, the global market for alcoholic drinks shrunk by 1.3% in 2016. And I know that sounds really small, but compared with an average rate of 0.3 in the previous five years, it's pretty significant. Wow. Uh, w- what do you think is driving that that rise in popularity? Yeah, there's, this is it's like a confluence of so many things. Um, so I'm sorry for the long answer here. <laughs> there's no, a lot no, no, please. <laughs> um, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is the waning taboo around substance abuse issues. Um, oh, yeah. So sober people are less, I think about like in my mom's era, the conversations around 
alcoholism and drug addiction and whatnot. It's just like a totally different landscape yeah. today than it was then. So sober people are less and less ashamed um, to be so. And then because our palates are also more sophisticated, like you can look to any mass market food magazine to see the global ingredients that are now assumed to be found in readers' local <laughs> supermarkets, you know, to find evidence of that. Like we see Urfa, you know, and all these um, strange things that you actually can find locally. Um, so we're, we're expecting more. Um, so a juice isn't going to cut it anymore for these people who want to not drink alcohol. Um, and so the industry is really beginning to answer to that rising demand with more thoughtful multiple component drinks that don't have alcohol in them. Um, and then I think, too, speaking of the industry, like a growing number of bartenders are also drinking less or not at all. So there's um, Jack McGarry at the Dead Rabbit in New York. There's Jaron Rivas at Tipo and Jim Kearns, who has the happiest hour in Slowly Surely, I think also in New York. Um, they've both been really outspoken about their sobriety. So again, the kind of lack of um, or the waning shame around talking about it. Um, so then there are the millennials. <laughs> Those blasted millennials. (laughs) (laughs) Like anything driving trends today, yeah. So um, I was reading this piece by the Wall Street Journal uh, just published in March about the 20-somethings who are embracing clean living uh, as a way to find balance amid today's global uncertainty, let's say. Oh, yes. So um, the journal dubbed this group the Clean Lifers, uh, writing that they revel in dodging the indulgences of their elders. Oh, um, oh wow! Like so, a, like a new temperance. Like yeah, a, yeah. <laughs> like a, like like temperance, but in a fun way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that should be there within slogan. a sense. Um, yeah. So of course, you know, this group is shaping consumer behavior, and um, that Euromonitor, that market research firm, right? Um, they did some research, and in the notes, they said this group feels they can make a difference. This influences their spending choices. So it's more about saying no, no to alcohol, no to unhealthy habits, no to animal-based products, and increasingly no to unmeasured or uninformed spending. Um, and then there's just like learning to have restraint, like. What? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had this wonderful resurgence of golden era cocktail culture, right? This was, you know, with speakeasy-style bars. Um, this all started to kind of effervesce like 10 to 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, and now, so we all know what a Negroni or a Manhattan is, um, and we also know the the punch that they pack, you know? Yeah. Um, those it's are a glass boozy drinks. Of booze, yeah. Right? Um, mm-hmm. So you have one, maybe two of those, and it's kind of game over. So, um where to go next. You know, I love um, Bon Appetit editor-at-large Andrew Knowlton. Um, he wrote in an essay called A Short History of My Long Drinking Life. It was in the October 2017 issue. Um, and he said, I drink less, but I drink better. And it's because I've learned to respect drinking and the craft of it, the camaraderie of it, um, and the importance of it in my life. I don't want to screw up that relationship. So he's just put some rules in place for himself to be able to enjoy drinking but not overdo it. Yeah. Um, and that just won a James Beard Award. Oh, wow. That oh, that's so. great. Yeah, yeah. especially, I mean, we just went on a field trip to Kentucky to kind of travel a little bit at the bourbon trail and visit some distilleries and some breweries. And I think we counted it and we sampled over 30 beers in three days. Mm. <laughs> uh, and most of those were tasting pours, you know, mm-hmm. maybe like three ounces. But and we wears were, you down over And we were sharing days, them, but oh, absolutely. Like yeah. our bodies were so angry at us. And it's so easy when you're in this industry to have that pressure to try everything and to, you know, j- just to be able to speak about it or to have the experience. Yeah, I mean, we're, I feel like with this rise of the mindfulness movement, we're being more mindful about what we consume on a number of different levels. Like, even if people people don't have a allergy to gluten, they're thinking, "Oh, I feel kind of bloated when I eat too much gluten, so I'm going to reduce that intake." Yeah, maybe um, I should eat a vegetable that isn't wheat. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, kind of the same thing. Like, I have plenty of friends who 
aren't sober and don't struggle with substance abuse issues, but they've removed alcohol for, you know, January is a thing. Right, yeah. yeah. removed alcohol to kind of reset for January, and everybody reports back just saying, I felt so good. And so this is now part of their practice where maybe two months a year they don't drink just because it, it feels good. Yeah. Have you done any research into the history of a non-alcoholic mixed drinks? And if so, um, how has the scene changed over time? Yeah. I mean, like in terms of recent history, as we were saying, like things have definitely gotten a lot more sophisticated in terms of what restaurants and bars are offering non-drinkers. Like 10, even five years ago, you'd find, you know, those tiki derivative sugar bomb drinks, oh, yeah. 12 bucks yep. for basically juice. Um, and sour mix. Never forget the sour yeah, mix. Oh, yes. Never forget. <laughs> um but, like, with no nuance or herbal right. or bitter edge, and that's changing as we're talking about. And from what I've learned talking to bartenders about this category, like, it's not a loss for them. Like, mocktails – I cringe every time I say that word, but fine. <laughs> it's just the, the easiest one-word thing to say. Mocktails allow bartenders to play with kind of herbal and plant-based ingredients that would have been off-limits before because – if you think about how you build a cocktail, it always starts with that base spirit, and that's right. a strong flavor, and then you build the rest of the components around that. So remove it, and there's all this, like, flavor real estate to play with. <laughs> huh, you know, you uh-huh. can use pine and birch and all these things that are strong themselves that may have competed with the yeah. spirit before. So right. it's kind of exciting. Like, I see a lot of people, a lot of bartenders getting jazzed <laughs> by, <laughs> by mocktails. Um, yeah, but if, if we were going to— Further back, you mentioned temperance drinks before. So, like, the temperance era, Britain was rapidly industrializing in the 1800s, and there was this rise in heavy drinking um, that went along with that. And so the government tried to straighten things out by putting pressure on people to drink more responsibly or not at all. Um, so temperance drinks were born. And I, for the sense I get is that they, they were kind of about having health benefits. They were temperance drinks specifically were, like— you would have ginger because that's good for soothing colds mm-hmm. or fermented dandelion roots are meant to detoxify. Um, and that kind of sounds familiar with what I'm seeing now. Like I'm thinking of ABCV, which is a Jean-Georges restaurant in um, in New York, and the beverage menu has a category called vibrations. Now, I know this sounds a little bougie. And, um, <laughs> a, little bit, a little bit woo. Yes, yeah, a sure. little woo-woo. Um, <laughs> but they're all meant to influence you in some way. They call them like restorative tonics. So uh-huh. there's one called Elevate, for example, and that has St. John's wort and rose and blackcurrant in it. Um, I haven't Ooh. tested them out yet, uh-huh. but I will report back. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, please. Yeah. Let's post it on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any favorites or any recipes you'd recommend? Yeah, I like tart flavors. So I like a like switchels or shrubs. Oh, so yeah. switchels made with usually apple cider vinegar, water, and and ginger. Um, and then there are shrubs or syrups that are made from pr- fruit and um, preserved with vinegar. And, and you can just mix that with sparkling water and have kind of a refreshing but pungent drink. Um, if you go to Bon Appetit, their spinoff website, Healthy-ish, um, and you search for non-alcoholic drinks, you'll get like a bunch of sodas and agua frescas, and that's kind of a good place to start, I mm-hmm. think. Um, how do you how do you balance the flavors out when you're dealing with when, when you take away that main booze punch? Yeah, it's it's a good question and it's it's tricky. Um, as I'm doing research for this book, <laughs> like that seems to be the thing that most bartenders say is the hardest to achieve. Um, but I guess like anything, you know, you just have to taste and tweak to your liking. Like most home cooks are likely going to be working with store bought juices, right? When they're sure. making any drinks at home, and that means they're going to have something that's sweet. Very sweet, um, probably. Yeah, so you can thin it out with some sparkling water. You can balance it with something tart or bitter or herbal. I think you really just have to get in the kitchen and or behind the bar and play. Yeah. 
do, do you have any like really strange sounding combinations that you have found that really work? Yes. I mean, and I didn't think they would work, um, but they do like this Mike DiToda. I think that's how you say his last name, Tata, Tota, sorry, Mike, um, <laughs> at the Bonnie in Astoria. He makes this drink called the Billows and Thieves, and it has grapefruit juice and cold-brewed coffee. Oh. Both, which I huh. thought was going to be, like, way too bitter on bitter, but it ends up making sense to the palate for whatever reason that I can't explain. Maybe we have to ask Harold McGee about the chemistry of that. But yeah. um, And then Mike kind of smooths it out with, like, a cardamomy cinnamon syrup. Okay. Um, just— just go. I, trust me. <laughs> it yeah. really is good. No, I never I would have thought. I mean, I've heard of cold-brewed coffee um, in drinks. You know, I've heard of cold-brewed coffee with, like, some sparkling water and a little lemon peel, um, which I guess is the same idea, right? Like, the lemon sure. rind is bitter, and you have that little bit of citrusy. But, you know, a couple ounces of grapefruit juice is another thing, and I really didn't think it would work, but it does. And he's also, I'd say Mike is also really into salting cocktails. Ooh. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And... So, like, in that one, The Billows and Thieves, he mixes in a smoked sea salt. Um, and it sounded strange to me, but I don't know I don't know why it should have. I mean, salt elevates our food and intensifies the flavors um, right. in, in whatever we cook. So it does the same thing to drinks. Yeah, like, and, it's, and it's not like we don't use salt in some cocktails, like salted rims on a margarita right. or, uh, or salt in a Bloody Mary. Right, right. So this is just more kind of mixed in. And so next time you make a daiquiri for yourself at home, make one with salt in the mix and one without and taste them side by side. I promise you will notice a difference. Ah. Oh. oh, heck. Well, that okay. sounds like the best yeah. kind of homework. <laughs> <laughs> Can um, popular alcoholic drinks be replicated with non-boozy products or is it usually better to start Afresh. Yeah, I mean, you'll have varying opinions on this. I mean, they can. And in fact, there's a book coming onto the market soon. Um, it's called Clean and Dirty Drinking. And the concept is to provide two versions of each recipe, oh, like wow. a clean, sans huh. alcohol, and a dirty with alcohol. Um, and that's by um, a pretty well-respected bartender in uh, Los Angeles. Like, I have no doubt that she um, will do that well. But I have to admit, I'm less interested in that. Like, I have um, a little less experience trying to muscle a cocktail into something non-alcoholic. Um and I do. I think it'd be tricky because a cocktail, again, starts with that base spirit, and then you're building other components around that flavor to balance it out. So when you remove that base spirit, you're starting with a completely different canvas. Um, but I really I want this I want this category to sort of like exist on its own and stand tall on its own without yeah. sort of you know again that Ooh. word mocktail implies that it's right. trying to be something else. When yeah. these are these are fully formed beverages in their own right. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Um, it, it, I was I was just reminded of, of of how much I prefer meat substitutes that aren't like chicken with an apostrophe somewhere right. in the word. Like if it's, <laughs> if it's just tempeh, like that's, that's lovely. Fine. Yeah, it doesn't need to taste like anyway. Um, yeah, we're over that. I think most of us <laughs> see that now. Yeah. Um. So maybe we'll get over that hump with this too. Oh, I hope yeah. so. It it sounds complicated though. Do you if someone is interested in starting to play with this at home? Like, is it going to take a lot of time and money, or or are there kind of products that they can start using to, to build their base. Yeah. I mean, definitely there are products out there and ever-increasing amount of products, like we mentioned before. But, but you know, like any category of drinks, there are various commitment levels here, right? So, oh. sure, you can smoke some apples using wood chips, you know, and whip that into something complicated. And I use that <laughs> example because someone in Denmark actually does this. Oh, but, you wow. know, you oh. can also make a big batch of some kind of drinking vinegar, like the Switchels or Shrubs we were talking about, and have it on hand, you know, for a couple weeks in the fridge to mix with water and play around with. So I think, you know, it just depends. Um, in fact, I think 
again, if this book happens, it will. <laughs> um, I kind of want to have like a stamp on each recipe that is about commitment level, like from one yeah. to five. This is like how involved you need to get or not. Because I know, like, I guess you could read the recipe and get a sense of that. But when you come home for the end, like a cocktail, it's punctuating the end of the day. You sure. don't need this for sustenance. You want it because it's a joy uh, or a pleasure. Right. Um, and so you're it's unwinding, usually, yeah. yeah, you're unwinding. And so it's usually about what you're craving. You think like, you know, ooh, do I want salty and cold martini? Do I want something kind of warm? Um, and you want it pretty immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You don't or want to whatever. spend 45 minutes Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe it. one day you do. For whatever happened in your day sure. previous to that, you have <laughs> the energy. I want people to be able to, like, see immediately um, what's required of them to make whatever drink. So yeah. um, commitment level, one to five. <laughs> <laughs> I guess speaking of commitment level, uh, there, there there are lots of bars that are experimenting with this, but there are lots that are perhaps not. So if you are looking for a non-alcoholic drink and you're out somewhere, is there something that's easy to order that yeah. for from a bartender who might not be like, like be like, what, 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 shot of whiskey? Yeah. <laughs> Bitters and soda, you know. Ooh, I mean, yeah. your average dive bar likely has some kind of bitter, soda water, and a lime wedge if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> or, if, or if you want one. And, you know, and it's fizzy and blush-toned and a whole lot more interesting than a glass of water or a Coke. So sure. um, I think, like, yes, even in dive bars, uh, you don't have to feel like a second-class citizen if you're a non-drinker. <laughs> I, th- that's one that I order, honestly, all the time. Yeah, like, and it kind of settles your tummy a little. It and does, and it's nice, and it's so bitter. And I, I personally, bitter is my favorite flavor, so mm. it, it makes me really happy. Yeah, and I guess there are bitters— if you're truly sober, that's a tricky one because bitters do have alcohol in them. Yeah. And even once you're, you know, usually using an eyedropper or just dashing in a couple. So once you have it mixed with a, you know, bunch of ounces of water, it's really trace amounts of alcohol. But again, technically, if you've like been through a program and you're trying not to drink at all, that's not going to cut it. Oh, which sure. Which is worth mentioning. Yeah. Or, or yeah. if religiously speaking, you, uh, you you do not consume alcohol right. products. Sure. Right. For whatever reason. But um, – I know one of your questions was about, like, products at home. There are some glycerin-based um, bitters that oh, are coming right. onto the market, and those don't have alcohol in them. So um, I think, like, bitters is something I would recommend people to, like, start sucking their bars with if they want to play around at home. And you can do that even if you're um, truly a non-drinker. You know? Right. There's also been a rise in, um, in like, drinking vinegars, like kombucha mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Or not that... That's a parallel one-to-one kind of thing. But mm-hmm. but would that be a good base for trying to play around with non-alcoholic? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that would take the place of um, the shrub or the switchel we were talking about before. Like Andy Ricker at uh, Pock Pock, he has this line of like pre-batched drinking vinegars, and Ooh. it's great. I mean, you can just put that with some sparkling water and call it a day, or um, you can sort of build a multiple-component drink with that. Um, I don't know yet what that would look like. But I'm about to do a lot of NA drinking on the road. <laughs> oh, right. oh re- report back. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to get wild. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, can, can mocktails be paired with food? Uh, how, how, does, how does that whole thing yeah, work? Yeah. Unfortunately, guys, this is another one I don't have a great answer to. But oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yes, they can. I don't, I don't totally know how yet. Like, that's something I definitely want to focus on in this book because there are countless resources for how to pair beer, wine, and cocktails with food, and not so for this category of drinks. Um, And I really want readers to be able to entertain a crowd of non-drinkers, whether they themselves drink or not. Um, So I want to have a little guide to sort of flavor pairings um, 
So again, I'll report back as I dig into testing. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's something yeah. that I've been thinking about because I think that cocktails pair really poorly with food most of the time because the cocktail is its own entire thing. And right. so unless you really want, unless you have built specifically a dish for that cocktail, it's all going to get muddled, which I know is a pun, but sorry about that. <laughs> um, it's true. As opposed it, to something like wine, which I think does have just a relative simplicity that yeah. can bring out extra flavors. No, I think you're right. I've been to some tasting dinners with like full-on cocktail pairings, and it, it always just feels not quite right. Yeah. Um, the idea of it, and then even when you're trying it, it's like, well, here's here are, you know, four flavors in a glass, and then here are X many of flavors on the plate, and it's just kind of yeah. over overload. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, okay, is is there a better word than mocktail? There must be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, mocktail... It's cheesy, and also, as we were saying, like it conveys that these drinks are trying to be cocktails when, in fact, they're good drinks in their own right. So, I, yeah, I don't think we've quite hit it with the terminology. Like, I've heard spirit-free cocktails, virgin oh, nice. cocktails. Yeah, spirit-free, mm-hmm. virgin cocktails, soft cocktails. Um, I kind of like that. That's sort of my favorite one in the running. Yeah. Um, zero-proof cocktails. Um, I almost defiantly want to call them good drinks. <laughs> it's like all of the other terms sound like they're missing something or they're longing for something. I mean, unfortunately, good drinks doesn't quite convey, like, the complexity of the non-alcoholic cocktails that we're talking about. Like, a good drink could reference a cold-pressed apple juice or a particularly nuanced green tea or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, yeah, soft cocktails I'm kind of liking. Yeah, because that makes um, sense with, like, soft drinks, soft yeah. cocktails, sure. Yeah. As opposed to hard ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And you've written uh, specifically about mindful drinking culture before. Could you talk a little bit about about that trend? Yeah. So I think this pertains more to low-alcohol drinks than no-alcohol drinks, at least in my mind. So as the mindfulness movement has entertained the mainstream, right, uh, so too has this has mindful drinking. And I wrote a story about this a couple years ago for Playboy, and I talked to um, Tristan Willie, who's a bartender in New York, and he— um, he said that his customers at the Long Island Bar, which is a great bar in Brooklyn, um, kept making requests like, I want a martini, but could you put a little less booze in it? Um, <laughs> and Which is, right? I mean, that's an interesting increasing request. And, and his sherry sure. stock is depleting more quickly than ever these days. Oh, so like yeah. sherry and other fortified wines are relatively low in alcohol by volume. They clock in at like 15 to 20 percent compared with gin, which runs about 40 percent. Um, I think I have that right. Uh, so these lighter styles of drinks are definitely trending. There's the spritz category, um, which is basically, you know, you have either uh, an aperitif-like liqueur like a St. Germain or a bitter like an Aperol or even a hard spirit topped off with sparkling wine and some soda water. Um, and I'm just seeing those everywhere. Yeah. So like, are you, yeah. And like, like Chelsea Handler, who's a famous drinker. Uh, can't shut up about Aperol spritzes on her Netflix show. I'm like, this, okay, okay, the vodka queen is drinking Aperol spritzes. Something is happening. Um, and they I think, are, like, they uh, are delicious. Yeah, they are. And, and like, it's sort of a cocktail summarized, you know. I mean, it's light and bright and doesn't weigh you down from, the again, the heavy amount of alcohol. Um, and I think another piece of that for some is that the low alcohol thing can also be about drinking more. Um, <laughs> like, like, okay, Matt Toko, he's the beverage director of strategic hospitality that's in Nashville. And he said he has the tolerance of a small gerbil. Um, but he likes to try a lot of different things. And so, like, low alcohol drinks, like an Americano made with Campari and vermouth and club soda, that works for him. Um, and 
Tristan, again, who I mentioned um, works at Long Island Bar, like he serves mini kind of snack-sized Negronis. So you could have one of those before dinner and then also have some wine with dinner and not feel um, loaded down. And then like in Tokyo, there's this bar called Jen Yamamoto, and they offer omakase flights of four to six two-ounce cocktails. Um, So again, I guess you can think of it as like drinking less to drink more. And it's sort of like the tapas idea, right? Like we are share plates. Like we all – we. Our palates are more kind of open-minded than ever before. We want to try a bunch of different things. And yeah. so if you have little bits of them or sharing them with a, a table, you can have, you know, five dishes or taste five dishes instead of two. Um, and it's kind of – I'm seeing that with drinks a little bit. Awesome. Yeah. I think I read somewhere that um, some – I can't remember anything about it at all. Except <laughs> the point of the story it was about a bartender in New York, and he was saying a lot of business people come in. Uh-huh. And they want to have – like the whole culture is we got to have a drink together. But they don't want to get wasted during uh-huh. a business meeting. So they have one real drink and then they go real drink cocktail. And then they go and get like just make it but without the booze. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I don't get <laughs> so I don't get drunk during this meeting. So it's I think it's a mis uh people misunderstand, like they always think it's pregnant women that are mm-hmm. buying these drinks, but there is a big market for it. And I think the quicker that bars start experimenting with it and offering these options some more money yeah. to be made for them. Yeah. Yeah, and hopefully overall, like, we'll become less ashamed to not drink. I mean, there's right. that sort of bro thing about, like, oh, right. the team. As you were saying, these business people, like, the, the guys or girls right. who drink together, you know, work well together yeah. or whatever it is. I, I'm curious whether or not that person asks the bartender to make the drink without booze on and the side. tell them? Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I wondered that, too. I... <laughs> Uh, this this was a number of years ago, and it was very much part of a, like, like post-college bro culture kind uh-huh. of group of friends that I had. But they loved Jaeger shots, and I hate Jaeger. And uh, so at this local bar that we went to, it, it turned into this thing. Like, I took the waitress aside one day, and I was like, can you give me a shot of Coke? And she was like, yeah. And <laughs> I'm like, I will tip you extra. Thank you. And so every time, every time they ordered Jaeger shots, I'd be like, hey, wink, wink. And she would bring me, and she would bring me a shot of Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. So I could do the shot with them and, like, be included in the group and not have the, like, weird stigma of, like, oh, you're not doing a shot with us. Like, all right. <laughs> like, whatever that is. And probably they were more impressed because you went harder. Oh, like, exactly. Have a hollow leg or something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My goodness. Well, I'm interested in that stigma falling away for sure. And I think, like, there have been some great N.A. books on the market that um, do address food pairings that are thorough. Um, but they're not cool. Huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think, like, I'm working with a friend of mine who's a art director at Wired um, who just has, like, really great taste. And we're kind of, you know, I want to make the fonts and the images, especially I want the images to be, ugh, I hate using this word, but, I mean, I want them to be pornographic. I want to even yeah, get, like, no, really absolutely. close on a glass and show the beading and show the sort of, like, color yeah. glowing from within because historically this has not been a sexy category. Yeah. And so really with the design of this book, I want to be, like, show how, you know, it's cool. It's cool to, to like, not be wasted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really is. It's also cool to just enjoy enjoy what you're drinking. Yes, not yeah. just only have, like, your options are Coke or water. Right. And that's it. And that's right. I have so many friends that when, when I was a kid, there was this restaurant. Um, it was a local Mexican restaurant, and they would always order the Shirley Temples, and they were so excited about it, so excited. And I think they would still order those if you could find them on the yeah. news. So they had more <laughs> options. I can only imagine how happy they would I be. I love a Shirley Temple. I ordered that as a little girl when 
my family and I would go out to restaurants and oh, I felt yeah. like so sophisticated. <laughs> right? Yeah. There, there will be one in the it. book. There will be a show. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> Maybe in a coupe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is something. There is something. Oh, and I and I hate myself and or our culture a little bit for saying it, but there is something sexy about having having one of those. I mean, the, in the elegant glassware, yeah. you know, and it's yeah. beautiful and it's cold, and there's the whole sensory thing. But it's a beautiful prop, you know, yeah. and like you should absolutely drink any drinks in those glasses, right? Oh yeah, um, yeah. Oh, totally. Well, thank you so much for joining us, yeah. Julia. How can uh, people find you if they want to hear from some more? Some more from you. I am on Twitter and Instagram as Julia Bainbridge. So that's J-U-L-I-A-B-A-I-N-B-R-I-D-G-E. Um, and at JuliaBainbridge.com, you can see a selection of my writing. And then The Lonely Hour is at TheLonelyHour.com. Or you can find it on any of your podcatchers like Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, blah, 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 blah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So that's our mocktail episode. Yes. We're still looking for better terminology. If you If you've got any. And, yeah, thank you to Julia for speaking with us. She was fantastic. Oh, absolutely, yes. Uh, go go check out her other work and uh, be, be on the lookout for that book. Uh, we will let you know all about it. Yeah. And now it's time for Listener Mail. Oh, oh. Microphone became very scary right then. It did. I, I saw it happening. <laughs> and I backed away. I physically she, backed she away. Physically backed away. You never know how it's going to go. <laughs> Laura wrote, A few years ago, I went on a special overnight tour on the Golden Hind, a replica of Sir Francis Drake's ship, which circumnavigated the globe in 1577 to 1580. Our guides shared with us a number of interesting facts, including where the term Three square meals a day came from. Oh, I never even, I forgot all about that. Yeah. As part of their contracts, Tudor sailors were promised three square meals per day, which were served on square wooden plates. These plates were square so that they would fit snugly in their box and wouldn't rattle around as round plates would on a sea voyage. The plates were thick with circular centers scooped out to a standard size to ensure that each sailor got the correct amount of food. I don't know if this standard measurement for sailors had an impact on the number of meals we tend to eat per day or if the custom was already established. Interesting nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Caleb wrote, I am so happy you guys covered the etymology of dinner on your episode Three Meals a Day. A learning the proper meaning of the word dinner was a small but memorable moment that has stayed with me since childhood. I've been waiting for such a long time to bring this up because it's a Christmas story. So here it goes. We, we live on weird. It's okay, Caleb. My family has one very large meal on Christmas morning, consisting of a smorgasbord of southern foods and dishes. This meal happens approximately midday and is really the only meal we eat that day. Since we have now established that dinner refers to the main or largest meal of the day, and this one consists of breakfast food, the most appropriate name for this is Brinner. And since this meal happens on Christmas Day, I have elected to call it, are you ready? Yule Brenner. Oh. oh. <laughs> that is glorious. It is so good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you. We love receiving any type of bad joke or pun. Absolutely. So, yes, we really very much appreciate it. 
Thank you to both of them for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can do so. Our email is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com. We're also on social media. We even check it sometimes and respond there. Our uh, Facebook and Twitter profiles are at foodstuffhsw, and on Instagram, we are at foodstuff. We hope to hear from you. Thank you, as always, to our super producer, Dylan K. Fagan. I did get your middle initial right, didn't I? I did indeed. Oh, man. I'm winning today. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.